Welcome to the Freedom from Empty podcast, building strong, effective, resilient leaders and humans. My name is Booth Andrews, and I am your host. Thank you so much for joining me again for this episode. So I want, today I want to talk about wake-up calls, and then I want to also talk about what happens next. My first wake-up call was not as loud and dramatic as some wake-up calls are. I think we often think of a wake-up call, that moment in our life when we go, hmm, maybe I'm not living the life I want to live, or maybe I've given certain things more importance than they should have, or maybe I'm just not happy. Often wake-up calls are, I think, considered in the form of a grave health diagnosis. We often hear about people who may have received a cancer diagnosis, and suddenly their perspective on the world and their life and how they're going to spend their time and how they're going to focus their energy is completely different. And we all have the opportunity, and I'll call it an opportunity, to experience wake-up calls throughout our lives. And some of those wake-up calls are big and dramatic. You know, Ariana Huffington, in her book Thrive, wrote about her wake-up call, which was waking up in a pool of blood in her office one morning. She had passed out from exhaustion and hit her head on a table. And she spent several months getting all sorts of tests to make sure that nothing else, no other health concern or health issue, had resulted in her passing out. And it did turn out that that was her wake-up call, and it was, and it did turn out that it was exhaustion, and exhaustion alone. It was her pushing herself beyond her capacity that resulted in her wake-up call. My wake-up call, my first wake-up call, in contrast, was very quiet. My first wake-up call, as I remember it, came in 2010, And it was simply a realization that I didn't want to live in fear anymore. It was quiet and curious, not particularly dramatic. It was simply an an awareness of, not this. And I didn't even really know what was behind it. I absolutely didn't know what was behind it. I didn't know what I was afraid of. I just knew that I didn't want to live that way anymore. Natalie Kogan, who is a serial entrepreneur and a former venture capitalist and best-selling author of the book called Happier Now, also has had her own wake-up call. This actually comes from an article written by Amy Blankston for Forbes, and the article is called The Secret Reasons Why Venture Capital Investments Often Fail. Here's the story. Natalie Kogan, a serial entrepreneur, former venture capitalist, and best-selling author of Happier Now, knows a few things about the costs of burnout and the cost of believing that failure is not an option. But her story is not necessarily one you would expect. As a refugee from the former Soviet Union, Kogan immigrated to the United States when she was just 13 years old. She went from living off of food stamps in the projects of Detroit to graduating from college with high honors, landing a job at McKinsey, becoming a managing director at a venture capital firm, all before she turned 26. But despite this meteoric rise, Kogan felt unfulfilled. She began to research positive psychology and delved into Eastern disciplines like yoga and Buddhism. Eventually, she created a learning and technology platform called Happier that led to international fame. 
But if you think her story ends there, you would miss the most important part. Shortly after launching Happier, Kogan crashed. Reflecting on that period of her life, Kogan shares, By age 39, I lived in a state of constant dread. I ran myself ragged and berated myself for being so pathetic. More than once, I found myself in my car outside my office in the early hours of the morning, so fatigued I didn't know whether I was coming or going. I would black out from exhaustion. I was on the brink of losing everything. My company, my family, my sanity, and my health. Fortunately, an investor in Kogan's company saw what was happening and gave her an ultimatum. She had to visit his life coach, or he wouldn't work with her anymore. Grudgingly, she went. The life coach helped her to understand that she couldn't fix parts of her life without helping herself first. She realized that she needed to put things in her life on hold until she could set things right again. Kogan also recalls the story of a CEO in New York City whose company began to struggle financially. His co-workers knew he was under stress, but they also noted that he began to make poor decisions. What they didn't know was that the CEO was having trouble sleeping and his overall health was declining. One day, the staff noticed that it was 4 p.m. and the CEO had still not shown up for work. Later that day, he was found hanging off a balcony in a California hotel strung out on cocaine. Strung out on cocaine. Kogan asks, were there warning signs? Yep, every single day. Yet all too often, these warning signs are covered or missed in a professional setting. And I would suggest that all too often these warning signs are covered or missed in a personal setting and often within ourselves as well. When we come to believe that failure is not an option, when we believe that we cannot show the softest, deepest, even darkest parts of ourselves to the world, when we come to believe that the only way to survive is to shove aside our basic needs and our emotions and our disappointments, and our darkness, and keep pushing forward, never resting, never taking a breath, never stepping away from work, never pausing to be still. When we come to believe that that is the only way to live, we create dissonance in our lives. And we can only survive that dissonance for so long before something starts to give. We can only shove our fundamental needs and our values, the connections and the desires that we are biologically wired in order to need, in order to thrive. We can only survive the dissonance in our lives for so long before something starts to give. We can only shove our fundamental needs and values aside for so long. We can only live in denial for so long. I share these stories with you because I want you to know that you aren't alone. Throughout time, throughout literature, and throughout all of the ways that stories of the human condition are told, we find the universal truth of the wake-up call, that fork in the road that someone finally chooses, when someone finally chooses to take a different path. Wake-up calls don't have to be big or dramatic. They don't have to be life-threatening. They can actually be simple and quiet. A decision to stop running. A decision 
to stop building a wall between you and another person, a decision to stop living in fear, an awareness of not this. Even if you don't really know what this is or what you want to be in its place, you don't have to run into the wall like a test dummy to have your wake-up call. You can choose to have your wake-up call right now, without drama, without fanfare, without a trip to the emergency room. And here is something that is also true. In order to make space for new things in our lives, we have to be willing to let go of the things that no longer serve us. In my years of strategic planning with organizations and individuals, I have found that often the hardest question to answer is this one. What will you stop doing in order to create the space and time, in order to make resources available to do all of the new things that you want to do, to create new habits, to establish new patterns that are more in alignment with who you are and what you need and your potential and purpose in the world. It's very, very easy to make a list of all the things that we think we should do or could do to be better humans, better professionals, better parents, better sisters, sons, daughters. It's easy to come up with a list of hundreds of things that we could and should do. It's so much harder, I think, to actually look at the things that we already are doing Areas where we are spending our time and energy and to give ourselves permission to let them go if they no longer serve us. So imagine we are at a place where we've had a wake-up call. Either a wake-up call came to us or we chose to mark a moment in time and say, we're going to do something differently. I am going to do something differently in the way that I live my life. I'm going to stop doing the same thing and expecting different results, which I believe Albert Einstein is credited with saying is the definition of insanity. If we set about to make change in our lives and do not commit their resources and read resources as time and energy, if we do not commit the resources to make the change, we only end up frustrated. And not only do we end up frustrated, but then we chalk up our failure to you know, successfully adopt that new habit or reach that new goal simply as a lack of self-control and discipline. And then we beat ourselves up for being lazy and weak or having poor time management skills. But here's the thing. We can only carry so much and do so much and will ourselves so far at any given time. Imagine an old pegboard from childhood There are a certain number of holes in the pegboard. Once the holes are full, no more pegs will fit. Okay, yes, technically some of those pegboards come with stackable pegs, but what happens when you stack the pegs too high? They start to lean. And then if you keep stacking, they all fall over. We are like a pegboard. When we are out of receptors, we have no space to create new habits. We have no space to try new things. We have no room to, to pause and breathe and say, hmm, I'm going to make a different choice this time. I'm not going to replay this pattern again in my life. 
We have to create the space in our lives to make room for those new habits, for those new opportunities, for the new ways of living and working. And in order to create that space, we have to take some of the pegs out of the pegboard, some of the things that are already occupying our time and energy and bandwidth, some of the things that are already, in some ways, feel like they're set in stone in our lives. They aren't. But we have to choose to remove those things. We cannot create more hours in the day, but we can change the way we spend our time. So I believe that deeper, more profound, and more sustainable change happens when we start to let go of some of our old beliefs and ways of thinking and reacting in the world. And I want you to know that with letting go comes grief. Even if we are knowingly and intentionally letting go of something or someone that we know isn't good for us, even if we're letting go in order to make room for opportunities and relationships, experiences, and the chance to heal, still, grief comes. We move through all of the phases of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance, and we move through them in a non-linear way with no predetermined finish line. We might be letting go of who we thought we were, what we thought our life would look like, past hurts, resentments, people, dreams unfulfilled. And yet, when we create that space, the universe has its way of meeting us where we are. My mother used to say the universe abhors, abhors, easy for me to say, the universe abhors a vacuum. So be intentional about what you want to fill the space once you create it. You don't have to have all of the answers to open up space for a new way of being. Those new habits, new beliefs, and new choices. New ways of engaging with the world. New ways of responding as opposed to simply reacting. And you also don't have to do this alone. I created my business because when I went through my wake-up calls, I felt very alone and like no one else understood what I was going through. I felt like I couldn't tell most of the people around me what I was experiencing because I was afraid of what they would think. I was afraid of losing a lot of the things that I had worked so hard for. And so I've created my business so that I can sit alongside you as you navigate a realization of not this or what is it that I'm doing or believing or what is the way that I'm showing up in the world that isn't working for me anymore and how do I make a different choice and how do I create new habits and how do I lay down new neurological patterns so that I can respond and live and breathe and thrive in a different way. What I hope you will take with you from today's episode is an understanding that a wake-up call can happen in any moment, on any day, in any week of any year. It doesn't have to be dramatic, but it might be. What I want you to know is that wherever you are on the spectrum of living your life in perfect alignment living your life a little out of sync with with what you hoped or need or want or what you desire or what you believe your purpose is, or even if you've been living in complete dissonance for many, many years, you are not alone on this journey. Many people have walked this path before you, and many people are walking this path 
with you at the same time, even if you don't see it. The reason I started my business is so that I could walk alongside people who have had an opportunity for whatever reason to recognize that the way that they're living and working today is not the way that they want to live and work in the future, that they aren't thriving in the way that they thought they would or hope they can, that they're not able to live up to their full potential and their full purpose because somewhere along the path, they've lost their way. So whether your wake-up call comes today, tomorrow, next week, or with a New Year's resolution, please know that there are multitudes of resources, books, programs, opportunities, and people who have walked this path before you and have taken the time to share their path, such as Ariana Huffington and Natalie Koken. And please also know that I've created my business to walk alongside people as they look to make fundamental change in the way that they live and work so that they can live a life of well-being, so that they can thrive, so that they can reach their full potential. For more information about the work that I do with individuals, groups, and organizations, you can go to boothandrews.com. You can also find me on Facebook at boothandrews and on Instagram and Twitter at Knoxlight. That's K-N-O-X-L-I-G-H-T. Thank you for listening. And if you haven't already, please hit subscribe and remember to rate this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And I look forward to being back with you next time. Stay humble.